0: Hey, you like cars? Well, so do I. Take a seat, real quick. You're listening to Car Quicks. car quicks with another okay hope everybody's doing good out there it's been it's been a minute I haven't been over here in a minute and I always say it's been a minute because hey life moves fast happy father's day to all the people out there fathers I said people people that have children fathers myself included we had our day it was brief (laughs) definitely mother's day we already know that but I'm here to talk about the news you know what I gotta do so Episode 21, man, no, episode 21, Car Quicks, season one, you know, this has got to be the season so you can keep up with what's going on. I don't know if there's much, there's a little bit of things today I'm talking about. I'm late to some of this, but you know what? Better late than never, okay? So I'm going to be here to talk about a couple things. Some of this news is already passed, you know, but I'm going to put my own thoughts on it. Because I got some couple things I want to talk about I want to (laughs) say. Let's just jump right in. Anybody that has a manual car knows that we're a dying breed. We're dying, okay? We are T-Rex running around knowing good and well there's nothing else to eat, okay? We got a brief period of time of some really exciting cars, GR, Corolla, Acura Integra Type S, Acura Integra Civic Type R, even the base Civic, Elantra, and Veloster, ands Golf R's, Golf GTIs, BMW M twos, M threes, M coupes. I mean, a couple Audis, R's. I don't even know if the rs three comes in in manual. I can't remember, but a few Audis. We are on the brink of extinction. And BMW pretty much just threw out the full gauntlet telling people that they're done. So the next M2, the M2 that we have right now is the last one, the last manual. Matter of fact, BMW is getting so far away from the idea of you manually doing anything that they're getting rid of the dual clutch. The dual clutch trans. They said, get that out of here. We're done with that as well. So no manual. No dual clutch. The only thing that they're going to have is their automatic. And at this pace, I mean, you can guarantee that if they release any manual after this, it's going to be some humogulated super CSL, limited edition, $195,000 car. Because at this pace, it's over. Now, that's for BMW. There are a few manufacturers, I believe Ford said it too, when it comes to their Mustang, that they're going to keep the manual going They're never going to take it away. Honda is still standing strong because the Civic Type R is a car that they are known to have manual transmissions on and they will never deviate from that plan for now, okay? Because a lot of this stuff people said they would never do and it's happening now because all it takes is a shift, a little bit of a shift in sales, demograph, whoever they need to do, EPA standards, government rulings on environmental things, all it takes is a small little thing. And all of a sudden, we're going to be looking around saying, hey, we ain't got nothing left. But there is something later in this episode I'm going to talk about that shows that there's still some life left when we think about the future when it comes to like EV cars and things like that and you know what, we'll just jump right to it. When it comes to EVs, right, this is probably like more of an EV episode because there was a lot of news in regards to that. Toyota said that their manual shifting EV is set to debut in 2026. Now, I, listen, I have no idea one who asked for this. <laughs> I mean, kind of us, right? The manual driving people is similar to classic people, things like, very nostalgic, right? We're like, listen, we like driving manual cars. There's really no way you're going to give us something of an alternative if there is no manual to drive. So that's a very big deal. 2026 is a ride around the corner. Okay, it's 2023. Be two more, three more years and it's going to be here. How does it drive? I don't know. Lexus showed a prototype of them driving, which looked like an SUV, which is kind of also dumb. I'll be honest, because I'm like, Listen, the manual people, like myself, are not looking to manually drive SUVs, really. That's not really on our agenda, unless you're talking about a very sport-oriented SUV for the pure fun factor of shifting an SUV, like a Porsche Cayenne GTS from back in the day. But other than that, most of the SUV buyers, even those that have manuals, they're like, listen, that's the automatic. I'm driving the family. I'm chilling. I'm not doing nothing crazy, So them showing it in the Lexus prototype, to me, is a little, it's a little interesting. I don't know if it's, if it proves what they want or if it gets down to the people that they're looking for to do this, but I do know is that they're showing a prototype that's working. He was shifting gears. I don't have the video. If it's floating around somewhere in this video, it's because I found a clip for it, but he was shifting gears while driving. Now, I don't know what it sounds like. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of fake automated sounds and gear changes being pumped through the speaker. So you are going to lose some of the visceral experience though, with the idea of technology and computers, you can shift the way the torque is delivered and how it feels with all software On EVs, so we can get to the point where you feel like the surge of you shifting gears, how it decelerates and how it calms down and then it accelerates again. There are ways to do this, so I'm not throwing out the hat yet. The fact that they're even doing this should be praised because there's a lot of companies that are gonna say there's no need, we're not doing it. You get one-speed transmission, we're not simulating no manual, we don't care. Even Porsche with the Tycan, they put a two-speed transmission. Inside of their electric car for that pure factor of saying we wanted to still have some feeling. So this is a big deal alongside of them talking about doing this manual, the president or the CEO, I believe the boss of Lexus, his name is Koji Sato. He said this whole manual thing has been his personal project. Those are the type of people you want in these positions because they are the ones that are going to spearhead something like this. Because, honestly, you go to, like, the board of directors, I'm sure they're like, why are we doing this? How much money are we making? We're not making no money? Can it? You know what I'm saying? That's usually how it goes down. Outside of that, the manual on 2026, that's all we got. We got the the prototype running, don't really know much information. The big deal, though, that Toyota has been in the news for was their batteries. We know EVs are here to come. Anybody that's against it, anybody that's hesitant is usually about the range, right? It's range anxiety. You got to figure out where to charge it. The infrastructure for charging outside of a Tesla is not that great. You don't know which direction you're going. If you just jump on your car to do a road trip, it's not as easy to just do that and go wherever you want with charging. So you got to keep all these things in, in play, However, the bigger the range gets, the less anxiety people have when they can say, "Okay, I got six hundred mile range, five hundred mile range. I can go a long way before I have to worry about charging, or I can literally go where I'm going, turn back around, and come home and charge it at my house." So, lithium-ion batteries is kind of the technology that's out right now, and it's old. It's getting refined, but there's a next. There's another level of battery technology that's coming that's really going to push forward where we're going next. But for now, in the lithium-ion space, Toyota says their batteries are coming out in 2026, already have a range of 621 miles. That's what I'm talking about. See, we start getting into this six, 7,000-mile range, and we're talking big business. 620-mile range, I mean, unless you have a huge diesel truck with a massive gas tank, nobody's really getting that type of mileage. Hybrids can pull that or get close to it because I have a Toyota Sienna hybrid. And that one can get close 500. I've seen some people get it up to 600 just by doing a whole lot of tricks, hyper milling and things like that. But the standard is about 500 on a tank of gas. We start getting to the 600, 700 range. This one also better technology, better de- better development, I could say. So it charges from 10 to 80% in under 20 minutes. And that's depending on the kilowatts you have, but it also shows you that we're starting to to bring down that charging speed, that charging time, I mean. That's really what also stops people, because they're like, I'm not about to sit around for 35 minutes every time I take a road trip somewhere to charge a car, because who wants to do that? Nobody. Nobody's trying to do that. So I understand completely somebody saying, I'm not really down for having to worry about charging and then worry about where I'm going to charge and for how long. So it's a, it's a very good reason behind stopping or slowing down what you're doing. However, Toyota's breakthrough was for lithium ion batteries and that's in 2026, 27, same time the manual EV comes, they're starting to bring in their batteries. Now, Toyota is a little bit behind someone would say, around the curve when it comes to EVs because they're very, very much settled on hybrids being the current thing to do and then we're moving into EVs. But Toyota is massive company, massive R&D, so they're catching up incredibly fast to everybody else when it comes to what they're developing. The big headliner was what they did with their solid-state batteries. So solid-state batteries is the next iteration of battery technology that everybody's banking on to... Very much changed the entire trajectory of EVs. Toyota had a breakthrough in that technology where they got one of their batteries in solid state to run 930 miles on one charge. That's crazy. 930 miles on one charge changes the game drastically, it changed it for everybody. One single charge, nine hundred and thirty miles. That's more than your weekly commute for most people, unless you really you know, like over the road hauling or something like that. Day to day commuting, nine to five, regular commuting, almost a thousand miles. That's about two weeks worth of full on driving, and you charging one time. What's even crazier is that the the solid state batteries can also charge even faster, talking about eighty percent in like ten minutes. We're getting into un. Charted waters. But the waters that we are uncharted, we kind of want to be in them. 930 miles, that's at the top of a range, top range as far as the solid state technology that they have. That's due somewhere around 2028, 2030. Like I said, we're close. Within a 10 year gap of time, there's going to be some drastic changes with whatever is available in the automotive space, what technology we already have, and what is available to us. By 2027, though, Their first solid-state battery will be here with a range of about 745 miles. Again, wildly large ranges. This is what we're talking about. So most of the time, if there's an argument against EVs, it's this. 200-mile range is is weak. I mean, I can understand it. 300-mile range is like, okay, it's getting better. Four to 500 is kind of getting better in the conversation where we can start considering it. But I can get when people see 200 to 300, they're like, I'm not dealing with that. Like that's every single other day I'm either charging or doing something because how you run the car and what you do in it also plays a factor with how the car is going to perform and how much battery range you have. You can hypermill it, shut things off and do all this and get more. But some people, they're like, I'm running this car how I want to drive it. So if I have to dial down what I'm doing, then what's the point? Nobody wants to drive a car where they're constantly staring at the dash, looking at the miles go down, and they're like, yo, turn off the radio. Okay, 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 cool, cool. We got one more mile back. Nobody trying to do that. So to see the bigger range and the bigger batteries when it comes to these solid states from Toyota is a very big deal. I think personally, Toyota's going to be one of the main manufacturers that gets more people on board, especially... If you think about their cars, like the Forerunners, the Tacomas, the Camrys, the Corollas, they have such a large amount of vehicles, and they can really kind of walk this slowly in, but get their loyal base to really say, okay, I'm going to do this. Honda's another one of them. These, these are the companies that are really going to push it. Tesla has done an excellent job at laying the foundation of understanding proper infrastructure and what you need in order to service your consumer. They also do better when it comes to -to direct-to-consumer sales, because we already know about Marcos and dealerships, and it just makes it a little easier to swallow and understand what they're doing as opposed to manufacturing. So they, they have a lot of work on their hands to catch up to what Tesla has done and to also convince consumers, hey, this is as good as what you have known from us for decades. But getting back to the regular cars, so Lexus dropped the new GX, which... I immediately was like, this is a G-Wagon that's reliable, (laughs) okay? This is the G-Wagon that you actually want to buy and keep and not try to flip out of as soon as you can. Lexus GS got released, brand new design, completely boxy, off-road, body on frame, SUV truck. I'm actually, I'm, I'm very surprised they kept it like this. To be perfectly honest, I really thought that they were going to go down the path of either softening up the GX, tailoring it to more the LX crowd. Maybe. I don't know, maybe more like the I don't want to say defender because the defender kept their look, too. So I'm just surprised that they went as boxy as they did. You see you floating around me. It looks great. Now, I know this is a br- another flying brake in the air, so some people are going to see it and be like, dude, this does not look good. It's very brute, right? But that's the point of that car, right? So you get a twin-turbo V6, 349 horsepower, 479 foot-pounds of torque, but I'll be right out the gate. This is not no highly efficient truck, okay? It gets 17 miles to the gallon, all right? I mean, listen— The people that buy this car were never really looking for hybrid technology or the most gas mods you can get. The people that are buying GXs already know what time it is. So this kind of just falls in play. Give me the power. Give me the torque. That's what they want. Apple CarPlay Android Auto, 14-inch screen, as you see inside the interior, which I do like because this is very much a very upright sitting vehicle. But I like how they kept the dash very simple, very clean, very much... Utilitarian, right? I wouldn't think they would do this, but they have. Other features: premium, luxury, and Overtrail trim. And the Overtrail trim is really the is really the big hailer, as you can see. Thirty three inch tires on a car from the dealership is nuts. I mean, this is truly overlanding on the luxury side of things. There is a plug in hybrid. There is a not a plug in hybrid. There is an electronic locking differential that's for true off-road you get 21 speaker stereos a 10 speaker standard wireless charging it's a luxury truck that can just so happen to do a whole lot on the off-road but let's just say off-road isn't your thing you're like i don't really care about that car because i ain't trying to do no off-roading the only thing i'm off-roading on is maybe a curb that i misjudged okay that's my off-road They got the Lexus TX, which is essentially the Lexus version of the Toyota Grand Highlander, which is their answer to the Telluride, the Palisades, basically, or the Volkswagen Atlas. All these new SUVs that have proper third rows, not these suggestions that are in, like, the current Highlander or maybe they were in the original size Honda Pilot. Like, these are longer wheelbase vehicles that can actually fit people in the third row, not your children not people you don't like, actually adults can sit there and actually take a ride. So the TX is another big deal for them. This is more, this is a hybrid, plug-in hybrid, 2-liter four-cylinder is a base one. I think the base engine makes about 275 horsepower. The top-of-the-range LX500H Plus has a 409-horsepower plug-in hybrid, which is, I'll be I'm sweating over here. I'll be perfectly honest, that is crazy. 409 horsepower in the plug-in hybrid is a lot. So to see that is impressive. On top of that, you have 30 miles of range, just straight off electrical. Like electrical, 30 miles of range, which is perfect because where I live, that's like exactly what you want for running to the grocery store. It's only like 10 miles away, go there, come back, not even using gas, 33 miles, 30 miles per gallon on the normal 33 on the all-electrical range. The trim levels are the 500, the 350, to 500, to 500 plus models. That's what gets you all the way to the 409 horsepower. In between that's a 366 horsepower engine as well. Not a plug-in hybrid, regular V6, 24 miles to the gallon, all-wheel drive on all of them. As you can see, the styling, I'll be honest, I kind of think the Grand Highlander looks better. I got them side by side, as you can see. I think it's because the grille on the Lexus, they try to make it very, you know, you kind of know it's a hybrid. This very kind of sleek, blocked off front end. It looks better in certain colors. It doesn't look terrible here, though I still say the Grand Highlander looks better because it has more squared off, aggressive type of look. That kind of talks to me more. The Lexus one will probably talk to those that kind of like that look where it's very smoothed off in the front and you don't see much when it comes to how the car is. So, Percy, I think it looks good. I don't think it's a terrible idea. However, this is gonna cost a lot. <laughs> like you're not getting the Grand Highlanders already in the 50k range. You know good and well the Lexus one is gonna be somewhere in the 60, 70 range. The GX, same thing, 70-80 range. Comes out in 2024. The TX, I believe, comes out a little bit earlier, maybe closer to this summer, but equally. Not that cheap. I mean, this stuff is a Lexus. So if you're jumping into the Lexus dealership looking for Toyota prices, I guess you got the wrong directions. Because <laughs> you need to go down the street. And uh, in some random news before I wrap this all up. It's Like I said, it's a little bit of a, you know twenty minute short one. Volkswagen somehow managed to sell out of their limited edition Volkswagen Golf R three, three 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 limited edition, eighty two thousand dollar. Hatchback. So in Germany, things sold out of eight minutes. I didn't know that there were that many people willing to put out near 85 grand on a hatchback. But you know what? Given the markups I've been seeing on GR Corollas and type R's and Integra type S's, I'm here to say that people got money and they got money to spend. So so Volkswagen released the specs for this 329 horsepower in their Golf R. It looks cool. Like, I'm not going to say it doesn't. The color, it's in your face, is bright. I like how it looks. You get the 333, you know, insignia some on the car inside the interior. Top speed, 168 miles an hour, I guess, for the Autobahn people that you can go even faster. But, I mean, it's a cool thing. It's cool to see the last run of these because I don't even know what the future is for the Golf name. Don't know if they're going to do a Golf R again. Really don't know what the redesign could be. But right now, they got the MK8, you know, Mark 8 of the Golf and the GTI and the Golf R. So, this is kind of like a very special one that clearly, when you only have 333 options, I can't imagine it won't sell out. So, that was kind of like the random news on that part. I found it very interesting that they sold out so quickly. Porsche, 918 successor. I already did a short on that. You see it again. I mean, this looks... Just ridiculous. This is the most fire looking new hypercar that's come out outside of Coinaseg and the Yesco and all the cars that they make. Speaking of Corniseg, they took back the uh zero to two hundred and forty-nine mile an hour to zero from Remock from Remots and the Nevera. So, if you know you're buying these three million dollar hypercars, just know that uh if you have one on order, it's slow now. <laughs> Which is which is crazy You know I'll be back, there's more news coming up This is just one quick, I just wanted to get it out there Some information I had The EV world is changing Listen, this battery stuff They get this going correctly We got things to talk about Manual's about to be dead Officially, listen, there's a group out there On Instagram called, say, you know Manual Transmission The Manual Transmission Preservation Society that's what I believe it's called. Yes. Go support them. Because we're on. We're, listen, we're dying. We're out of here. I'll see you all around again. I got another one coming up right up behind this. Do as you wish. Do as you may. It's Car Clicks. It's Cameron, your host. I'll see you all around